It's October 1st, 2020, and we're going to discuss if COVID tests are too sensitive. Welcome to Dr. Vaughn's COVID-19 Updates, the podcast updates you daily on the pandemic. Today's topic comes to us from a write-up in Lancet Respiratory Disease, which was published two days ago, and one from yesterday in the New England Journal of Medicine. So one in America and one in England, both pretty much saying the same thing, and that's that we need to look at how we test for COVID-19 and have the test fit the situation in which it's being administered. There's two different groups of people that we test for COVID-19. One is the person with symptoms who very well could have it. And the other one is the asymptomatic person, the person who doesn't have symptoms and is just being screened. This would be like on college campuses, for example, or healthcare workers that are screened on some kind of a, a routine basis. And we know that the current popular screening that or testing that we use, the nasal swab for the RNA, takes time to be done. And by the time it gets back, the person may have gone from just barely being infectious to being very infectious during those days that it takes to come back. This test is very sensitive, and we know that there are situations where people have had COVID-19, had their symptoms, totally gotten over their fever and their symptoms, and weeks later, the test is still positive, even though they would not be expected to be infectious at that point. And in fact, when they check them to see how much active virus that they are expelling from their body, it is not enough to or, or maybe even none, to be expected to infect other people. So this test is what we call too sensitive. Uh, it, it detects the, uh, or, or not specific enough, it detects the, the RNA when it doesn't need to be. And there's this curve, and I, I, I wish I could show, this is an audio podcast, not visual, but imagine that the amount of virus that a person is making, the amount of RNA you can detect, increases over time and then decreases. So uh, if you look at it on a graph over time, it'd, it'd be a hump or a curve or even maybe even a kind of a bell curve, although it's not a perfect, perfectly symmetrical bell curve. So there's a little time when they have very low levels of the virus, but they may be detectable just before the curve goes up. And then after the curve goes down, on the back side of it, it gets down below a certain level, but it still goes out for a long ways, a, a, a long tail, as they call it, where if you really had sensitive equipment, you could still detect RNA for the virus, but this person is no longer considered infectious, uh, not a threat to others around them. If we're getting people during that time and finding that they're positive for the RNA test, all sorts of bad things are happening. We're telling them to isolate and they're worried. They may have travel changed or they may not be able to have an operation they were otherwise going to get in the hospital. And that's bad. We need to not be detecting that those people are positive because it doesn't matter. They're not spreading the virus to anybody. So that's where these less sensitive point of care tests come in. And I've talked about the Abbott uh, Abbott rapid antigen test before, and I, I spoke a little negatively about it because it was not as sensitive as the PCR tests that we send off for that take days to get done. But 
thinking of it in these terms, that it's going to catch people who are likely to be infectious, either when the test is done or after, shortly after the test, and not people who are not expected to be infectious because they just have this long tail on the backside. It makes sense that that's what you would use for the screening when you need results quick and you're doing people over and over in a, in a screening sort of setting like this college students going to class or people going to work or even a test that people can do at home. So both of these articles gave a very convincing argument for using these rapid antigen tests in settings where we need to not be picking up positive results from very low levels that are probably from somebody who's already gotten over the infection but still getting the PCR test that takes a few days to come back for people who are symptomatic and need to be isolated. And they have symptoms anyways. We don't want them around us to pass on. Even if it's not COVID-19, we don't want whatever they have until they can get over their symptoms and find out they have a negative test and they're not infectious for COVID-19. So I hope that the message you got from this <laughs> was that these rapid antigen tests do have a place for large-scale screening, especially if you uh, follow it up with testing for the positives with the, the PCR test afterward, and still using the nasal swab or PCR test for people who have symptoms. I realize that although I'm talking about a, a certain type of test, this test actually isn't available yet. They're being manufactured. I mentioned the company Abbott that's putting out tens of millions, and they've actually already been purchased by the government for use for screening. That's not the only one that's going to be able to do that. There's other tests. There's tests using something called CRISPR technology that are being developed. So there, it's not just one company or one test that's going to be good for this purpose. It's just there's the one that already has the emergency use authorization in place. And the other thing is that it's it's not currently available. The government has bought up all of the ones being manufactured currently. So it's something to be looking out for not something we have currently. It's not something we have at our office currently, but it will be coming. That's it for today. Please do tell your friends who are interested in COVID-19 pandemic updates to subscribe to this podcast. That would really be appreciated. Until next time, Dr. Mark Vaughn telling you to stay in good health.